Hi, it's time for another episode of Piercing the Veil, our podcast, with me, Robin Pierce. And me, Stephen Pierce. Well, welcome to episode two. Um, to be honest, I was a bit taken aback, Steve, by the feedback that we got on episode one. It was completely unexpected to me. Uh, we got over 100 downloads in five days. I, I didn't think that that would be possible because, you know, it, it's a new cast. It's it's a new podcast and, you know, 100 people, over 100 people listen to us. It, it, it's <laughs> it's just incredible to me. It's completely incredible. Um, of course, I'd like to thank everybody who listened uh, or downloaded um, you know it, it, it means the world to us because seriously I I would have been happy if only five people uh, tuned in and listened that's how many I thought we were gonna get yeah yeah but a hundred that's, and that's worldwide I mean we've had people from Australia we've had people from the Middle East We've even had people from the US of A. Yes, we have. And we've had some really, really good uh, feedback. Uh, all of it encouraging. Nobody has come back to us and said, you know, hey, what are you two doing? What are you two clowns doing? Never clutter the airways again. Um, quite the opposite, really. Uh, people have wondered why we haven't been doing this before. Um, I, I actually... When I read that, I thought, why are we doing it now? (laughs) Um, But hey, here we are. Um, You may have noticed, dear listener, and the other 99 of you, that um, Steve is a little bit clearer this, this, uh, this week. Go tell them why that is, Steve. That's because I have my own mic. Yeah, I I try to do this the El Cheapo way, but I was given a piece of invaluable advice by the founder, CEO, head honcho of Siren FM, community radio over there in Lincoln. A fine gentleman by the name of Alex Lefchek. Now, he also produces the Stone Tapes, a monthly geek programme, and the the Midweek Drive, and I have the honour of appearing on both of those. Now then, if you would like to uh, have a listen to what we do, then please go on to my website, www.robinpierce.co.uk, and you'll find links to all the programmes that I've been on, there and it's all thanks to the the incredible patience of Mr. Lefchek, who who advised give Steve his own microphone. We can't hear you. And of course, at times there will be t- you know Steve has much more to say than I do, especially yeah. when we get on to introducing your regular bit, which we will be calling Game On. Where right, Steve then. will be talking all about um, games. Yeah. I can't wait for Crash Team Racing. Crash Team Racing. Is that the one that we used to play years ago? Yeah, that's the one. Um, it's coming out remastered on the PS4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch on the 21st of June. Nintendo Switch? That's that's that's. Isn't that the one that took over from the Wii or something? Yeah, it's Tiff's console. Whatever happened to the Wii? That was Tiff's console. Uh, for those of you who don't know us, Tiff is my daughter, Steve's sister. I think the Switch actually... Well, before the Switch, you had the console called the Wii U. Yeah, it sounds as dumb as that. Okay. Which basically the controller was a tablet. All right. It, it was very odd because on the tablet screen you could pretty much like the Switch. The Switch is way more you can take it around with you or you can have it on a screen. It's more flexible. 
Yeah. I'm more of a PlayStation person, though. Well, you may well be a PlayStation person, but you you did certainly also used to be, of course, a an X file uh, X file Xbox person. Yes. Why did that stop? The exclusives weren't that good, and a lot of promises made on the Xbox One, and to be honest, for me, did not deliver. Why didn't they deliver? I mean, oh. what do you mean? What what do they promise you that that kind of got you to go? Well, I don't want to play this well, they anymore. They promised constant exclusives. Yeah. All they did was do things like, um, Scalebound. If you're wondering why he paused, then it's because I'm rather pathetically taking selfies to put on Facebook that we are actually recording this program tonight. I've now oh. put the phone down. Your hand signals mean different things at different times. There was no hand signal. There was me waving a phone around. What yeah. do you think? We're going to phone-ins now? It's... How much money do you think oh, we've got on this program? No. Yes? But the um, exclusives, they're not, for me, they're not any good. Oh, all right. I mean, PlayStation has Spider-Man. This is something that you're going to go into in depth, yes. isn't it? In excruciating depth yeah. when we do uh, Game On. Okay. Back to the feedback. There was one piece of feedback. And we got it from my good friend, Brian Eugene Smith. Yes. And he lives out there in Salisburg, Indiana. And his, his first bit of feedback was, Great, I can listen to you in the car now. Okay. Which I found amazing. All right, fantastic. Somebody is listening to yeah. us in the car. Woohoo! Then I got another piece, uh, another piece of feedback from him saying, "I forgot how soothing your voice was." Is that even safe? Ah, uh, that's what I thought. I thought, uh oh, Brian might be nodding off yeah. in the car. Oh. So. As a a public service yes, to, the, duty. to the good people of Indiana, because you never know, he yeah. might be driving away from Salisburg to work or yeah. something like that. It's our duty. Okay? Wake, Wake up, up, Brian! Brian. That'll be a public service message that we'll repeat every now and again. Yes. Drive safe, Brian, okay? Right. Okay. We are going to move right along, and we're going to start introducing some of our features that we've come up with. One of which is Trailer Park. Now, Trailer Park is not a place where, where you know, like, trashy people live. Oh, no. Oh, you don't need that on this no, program. No, 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 no. What we're going to do is... We are going to be highlighting some of the better trailers that we've seen during the week. Yeah. And we've seen some good ones this week. Some exceptional ones. Oh, absolutely. Now then, last year, last summer, we, you and I, and your mother, Hiya Maria, she does like to have a shout-out, um... We went to see a new shark movie because we love shark movies. And we're, we're covering a shark movie, actually, in Cult Corner later on. But this one was... How many metres was it down? Was it 40? 47. Isn't 47 the new one? No. 47 metres down, the next chapter is the new one. 47 metres down was the old one. Okay. They were several metres down. Two women go swimming and they are basically trapped underwater yeah. with sharks. Pretty much. Absolutely. Now, a lot of people said, no, oh, it's not a very good film and so on and so forth. Uh, but I actually thought it was quite a good film because it was one of those films like, do you remember Adrift? Yes. Where these people are stuck in the water and because they forgot 
to put the little ladder thing that they they yeah, climb up and down. Yeah, yeah. I c- I could actually see forty seven meters below down whatever happening, but now they've made a sequel to it. Okay. Yeah. And I thought, oh no, 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 no. What do they, do they not die after all? Or yeah, what what's Hold this on. all about? Didn't one die? Yeah, yeah. Hold on, did they? They both didn't. It was a very unhappy ending. Yeah. Anyway, as far as I've been able to figure, there's a new expedition. It's the same kind of thing. You've got people trapped underwater, but this time they're trapped in underwater ruins. Okay. But from what I saw, I thought that they were going down after the... Something to... They were going down because of the people that went down in the first... Well, I don't know. I, I, oh. I, I, I've I read it was under underground... Un, under, underground? Underwater ruins. Okay. And... The ruins are also like the the local hangout place for the local sharks. Bad work. And I it's it's giving me creeps already because as as a child and I've never known why, I was I always found it very difficult to watch underwater sequences. I didn't even see twenty thousand leagues under the sea uh, until until much, much later because it was underwater photography, and I find things that live under the water creep the hell out of me. So, you know, that and and the claustrophobic kind of uh, surroundings where there are corridors yeah. of, oh my God, and there's a shack. Oh, no. oh. I want to see it. I yeah. really want to see it. So if you're on YouTube, take a look at 47 meters down. Uh, the next chapter. Now, the the next one we saw, I, I didn't really know what to make of it. It's Pixar's next film after Toy Story 4, which we're both looking forward to, and it's called Outward. See, I'm actually really looking forward to Outward because although I really want Toy Story 4 and I can't wait for it, I tend to prefer the Pixar movies that are original stories and not the sequels. And Toy Story is kind of the exception, but with how good a movies they are. But, I mean, you had Cars 2, uh, which I, I don't like. Cars 2, to me, visually, is great. Yeah. But, you know, you've got Mater as some kind of super spy and putting those characters into like a a spy setting even though they were clearly spoofing uh james bond and the man from uncle and all that entire sort of genre of like stylish 60s spy movies they even had the voice of michael caine there um it's the wrong move but then again cars 3 loved Cars 3. See, for me, I've done it so... I love Cars 1. Yeah. Although I own Cars 2, that kind of never happened. And it's Cars 3. But don't you watch Cars 2 just to get to Cars 3? Isn't Cars 3 your 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 reward for Cars 2? Because certainly... I haven't certainly, watched it on Blu-ray yet. Oh. Because certainly that's, that's what I tend to do with Thor The Dark World. Yeah. You know, it's my least favourite all the Marvel movies, and I watch, I I, I, I endure um, Thor: The Dark World, knowing I can get to Ragnarok afterwards. But you need the Dark World. You don't need Cars Two. Yeah, but it's completion. I know. I, are you actually? That's why I own it. But it doesn't mean I have to watch it because I own it. Are you actually getting over your compulsive disorder? No. <laughs> so outward it it's a world of mythical creatures yeah and you know you basically instead of having like coyotes or foxes being neighborhood pests eating out of trash cans and all that you've got unicorns which appear quite yeah. feral um 
they will go on a quest, uh, not not the unicorns, two of these, like, I don't know, what were they? Like, elves or something? Gnomes, but no, you had... Gar- What's the difference between an elf and a gnome? Isn't an elf taller? I think. <laughs> I think so. If anybody... <laughs> I can't believe we're having this argument. If anybody out there is listening and knows the difference between an elf and a gnome, can you please reach out and let us know? Wait, a gnome is a garden... You have garden gnomes, and they're not big, are they? So it's an elf. Yeah, but nobody says the garden gnomes are to scale, are they? What are those things? When was the last time you went to B&Q and you saw a one-to-one scale garden gnome for sale? The elves sing rock and roll. It could be a troll. No, they don't live under bridges. Elves sing rock and roll. But they look like ask me how. Why? Why? Because of Elvis Presley. Anyway, I'm sorry. That was possibly the worst joke I've ever made up on the spot. Um, a goblins are just ugly ones then. Ugly evil ones. They never even mentioned goblins. Well, I always thought the Green Goblin was kind of a good guy, but he's just been dis- misunderstood. He's not even a real goblin. He's a guy in a suit with a flying wing thing that he's got. Tell that to us. That actually, fine, when you when you think about it, right, the Green Goblin, as he is in the comics with his flying wing thing that he he stands on and propels himself around, instead of trying to take, to take over the the the, the gangs and be a permanent pain in Spider-Man's backside yeah and various crimes yeah yeah why didn't he just sell the tech and make himself a multi-millionaire in fact wasn't Norman Osborn a multi-millionaire anyway but if he'd actually sold the tech that he had as the Green Goblin yeah yeah Gwen Stacy would still be alive and I would be far happier for that, I'll tell you. But in Ultimate Spider-Man, he doesn't doesn't wear a costume. He's actually a goblin. Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. Do you hear yourself? There's only one real Spider-Man and that's the amazing Spider-Man. And the Green Goblin did not kill Gwen Stacy in Ultimate Spider-Man. Well, he didn't actually kill her in Amazing either. Spider-Man himself did. Someone else was responsible. Who? Carnage. Carnage? Yeah. No, no, no. That ruins the whole story. No, it doesn't. That does ruin the whole story. I hadn't read that story. I read Carnage first. But the tragedy is that Peter Parker, as Spider-Man, killed the the love of his life by, by trying to break her fall... From the top of the, I think it was George Washington Bridge. Um, and he snared her legs with his webbing. He brought her to a halt too fast and an egg snapped. Oh. And he didn't know that he killed her. It was an accident that happened. I know, but, it, but, 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 but what about the tragedy of it all? We're it, digressing, aren't we? It was an accident. We're really digressing. So, Outward. Do we know when this is released? Is it next year? Or are we getting a... 2020? We're getting two Pixar movies next year. Okay. Outward and... Unannounced. Oh, what's that about? Oh, I don't know. Oh, good grief. Now then. There was a third trailer that we saw this week that absolutely blew me away. And that was Rambo, Last Blood. That that was something else. It doesn't give much away, but we've kind of tried to to follow this. We, I, I believe from internet rumours that we have Rambo back home on the ranch, yeah, we where saw we that. saw him heading off at the end of the last film. And I think there's a drug cartel involved. See, they didn't actually allude to any of that in the trailer. No. The only thing that we know is that somebody is on Rambo's ranch and 
all hell breaks loose. We're back to the, the, the same kind of Rambo that we saw in the original First Blood, where basically it's what you you want a war, I'll give you a war, you won't believe. Well, he keeps referring to himself in the trailer as death. I can see why. I mean, we recently watched all the First Blood films on Blu-ray. Yeah. Can you even count how many people he killed? See, the only Rambo movie I wasn't that keen on was the third. Because it was too similar to Rambo 2. The thing with Rambo 3... Um, it was set in Afghanistan during the Russian invasion and occupancy. Just before that film was released, the Russians pulled out. Oh, no. I like to think it's because they knew that Rambo was coming. Yeah, that's a better story. But uh, Rambo 3 was actually the holder of the Guinness Book of Records award for the most... Blank rounds, i.e. shots fired, in any film ever made in Hollywood or anywhere else in the world, ever. Whether or not it still holds that record, I don't know, but it certainly did then. I, I can actually believe that with as many rounds that were actually fired in that trailer. I remember as well, um, back in the late lamented Starlog magazine... Uh, the American sci-fi movie magazine, um, there there was an ad running where you could actually buy the shells from the spent blank cartridges used in Rambo, and they, they'd sold, you know, they, they'd fired off thousands of these, but somebody had gone around picking all these up, and they were selling them for, you know, a few dollars each, they must have made a fortune. Yeah. Oh, the noise you hear is our third member of the team lying down, scratching herself on the floor. Uh, this is Bo, our border collie. You done there? Thank you. So, Rambo, Last Blood. So this will be when we have seen the last ever screen appearance of Rocky Balboa in Creed 2. That was, I loved that movie. And we're going to see Rambo one last time. Wow. It's it's sad. But also you can tell that with him getting older. Yeah. It's also the right time. I mean, Sly is... He's pushing 70. He you has know, to be. You know that straight after Rambo, they're doing Expendables 4. Oh, good. I, I, I like those. I like those ensemble pieces. Because it's the loan himself that has actually mentioned Expendables 4. Now, I hope he, he brings back um, Schwarzenegger. I don't think after last time we'll be seeing either Bruce Willis or Chuck Norris again. No, no, I don't think so. So... If you're looking for new members of the Expendables to add to, you know, people like Jason Statham, um, who else did they have? Oh, Dolph Lundgren. Jet Li. Jet Li. Antonio Banderas. Was was he one of them? Yeah, in the third. Or was he a bad guy? No, no. Oh, okay. And, um... Blade, Wesley Snipes. Yes. Who 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 could who could we add? Dwayne Johnson. Now, see, you think Dwayne Johnson, but would that be a good idea? Because he's already teamed up with Statham in the Hobbs and Shaw film, with you know, an offshoot of the Fast and Furious, which is out in a few weeks. Yeah, um, it's actually quite hard to think about. I'd like to say John Cena, but John Cena has now apparently joined the Fast and the Furious team. I'll tell you who would have been good. Who? Charlton Heston. You know he's dead, right? Yeah, but if you could have gone back in time... I mean, if you're going to go and say, you know, Kirk Douglas, you know he's 102 this year, right? 
ice brightly. Uh, not really. Not really. Well, they can have Harrison Ford back, can't they? We'll take him. Okay, we'll take Harrison Ford. Um, but Rambo. Oh, I hope they don't kill him off. I don't know how they could possibly end Rambo because through all the movies he's he's been brought up in the military through the series. Yeah. To be the ultimate killing machine. He is, he, he yes. He doesn't know how to do anything else. Certainly doesn't know how to do Civvy Street, does he? No. Um He deserves, you know. To live a peaceful existence and live out his days in peace, but I, I can't see him doing that. that. That's not going to happen. He, he's Rambo has got to go out in a blaze of glory. That's not going to happen because if they're going to end him, you know, a peaceful end for Rambo, yeah, they'd have ended it for. Yeah. True. True. Right, that's trailer park for this week. We're going to go on with Cult Corner. Now then, Cult Corner is where we pick up a favourite old movie. It's quite different from Attack of the Killer Bees, where we pick up a favourite really bad movie. That They have to be so bad, they are works of genius. Yes. But this week, we went with a firm favourite, and as it was the late May holiday last weekend, I have a tradition. At that weekend, I always like to watch Jaws. It has to be Jaws. It it can't be anything else. Uh, Jaws is is one of my favourite films ever. I, I don't even think it's Spielberg's best what do you say is best then? that's a tough call but I would say perhaps I prefer Close Encounters of the Third Kind oh you could not be more wrong <laughs> what do you mean I could not be more wrong it's Jurassic Park it has to be Jurassic Park you're saying this because you weren't at a cinema in 1977 at the at the time before internet spoilers, right? Okay. For an advance screening, and a busload of us went of Close Encounter. What is she doing? Wait, put it. Um, of Close Encounters, when we had no idea other than it was about UFOs and we had no idea of the final sequence and the mothership and I sat there I think my mouth as well as everybody else's mouth in the entire cinema and it was the old plaza in Bangor oh we saw Batman and Robin that's right yeah and Phantom Menace yes And it was just, we had never, ever seen anything like it. In fact, for sheer awe-inspiring finishes, I can't think of a film that finished better than Close Encounters. But we're not here to talk about Close Encounters. We're here to talk about Jaws. Made in 1975, released in the UK... During the hot, droughty summer of 1976, I remember going to see it. It was one of the few underwater films that I went to see that wasn't, you know, freaking me out because it was dark and claustrophobic. Um, the sea was never quite the Irwin Allen voids the bottom of the sea blue. Oh, I do like that. Blue oh, it's a lovely shade. Um, but you had the ideal cast, Roy Scheider. You had Richard Dreyfus. You know, it, it, was, it was just fantastic. And the fact that they intercut the dummy shark with footage of a short person being attacked in a real miniaturised yeah. 
uh, shark cage by real great whites shot off um, Australia, I think. You, you can tell just by how vicious it is. I mean, that shark tears that cage apart, doesn't it? Yes. But the 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 thing of of Jaws is, you know, the universally acclaimed most scary part where they are well richard dreyfus's character is swimming under the uh, the boat that they find and the the head suddenly comes into view with one eye missing it's the one sequence that makes everybody jump wasn't even filmed at sea where was it filmed Spielberg's editor on that film was a lady called Verna Fields and she felt we needed a scare. We hadn't had a scare for a bit in this film and you know you, you need you need to put another scare just to wake the audience yeah. up again. Especially in the Jack movie. And she she came up with this sequence and Spielberg said, you know, no 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 we we oh I'm not going to go back out to sea. No. Cuz he'd had such a horrendous experience. Uh, filming this movie and they actually filmed it one night are you ready for this okay in verna fields's swimming pool wow <laughs> wow exactly that, that, that's... you wouldn't think it was a swimming pool though no 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 not without a shot and the other thing that i i i really enjoy about the film is when quint is telling them all about the the disaster that happened on the USS Indianapolis yeah. after they delivered the bomb that leveled Hiroshima or Nagasaki. Hiroshima, I believe. Yeah, I think it was Hiroshima. And their mission was so secret that nobody knew they were there. They were attacked by torpedoes, ships sank, and sharks were picking off the survivors. And I've always wanted to see that made into a film. Now, I believe that it has been, but the film itself is is abysmal. And it's a direct-to-DVD yeah, film with it's CGI. Yeah, it's Cage. Oh, God, okay. Um, but it needs proper treatment. It needs, it needs somebody like Spielberg... Or Jim Cameron needs to make that film. See, the my only thing with that is yeah. you'd need Spielberg in particular. Why? If they're going to be floating around in the water, yeah. you're going to need someone that can write dialogue. Yeah, but Spielberg doesn't actually write his stories. No. Oh. He just directs them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's. He, I mean, he will come up with concepts. I mean, we've watched um, amazing stories, and it's story by, which means that he he you know comes up and say, hey, what about if this happened to that person, and then this happens, and okay. then he hands over the concept to somebody else to write. I thought he wrote movies. No, 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 no. But what if he he handed it over to to a scriptwriter? You don't really need somebody to come up with the concept anyway, because it actually happened. But James Cameron may be able to do this. He could do it. He could pull it off. He could, couldn't he? He, he could. You know, if he can just just leave, you know, Pandora, Pandorica, one of those Avatar planets. I I honestly don't have a clue what's happening with those anymore. Oh, they're coming out. For, um, Disney's taking them over, along with everything else in the world, practically. But you know, instead of making those. I mean, yeah, we, we, we've seen Avatar, and it's a fantastic-looking film. If you watch it on Blu-ray, then better. basically what you've got is an ideal showcase kind yeah. of film for your Blu-ray player. But, you know, James, get back underwater. Give us something like the Indianapolis film. That, that He needs to bring something out instead of constantly talking about Avatar. Because he's also mentioning before that he was remastering True Lies and The Abyss for Blu-ray. Oh, I'd love The Abyss on Blu-ray. Just and not available. Still waiting. Yeah. What are you doing, Jim? Jim, 
Jim, calling Jim Cameron. If you're listening, please, USS Indianapolis, get on it. So that's Cult Corner. What what what's your favourite thing about Jaws then? Because um, it's it's one of your favourites, isn't it? Yeah, I think one of my favourite things about Jaws in particular is the opening. It's so iconic to that movie. Okay, you're talking about the naked girl in the in the water. No, the actual where they're actually going through the water. Oh right, you, you're seeing Jaws. the bottom of them. Da-dum. Da-dum. Actually, um, this is the the really cheap way of of, of presenting music on the and show actually... because we 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 don't have a license to do music. No. So this is why you're just listening to our voices at the moment. We don't even have theme music. I'll tell you one thing that's interesting. Though, okay. About shark movies. Go on then. I didn't know. You know the film Open Water. Yes. They used real sharks. Of course I did. I thought I told you that. I didn't realise that if the sharks were actually calm, they threw in tuna to wake them up. <laughs> Sorry, say it again. If the shark, if they wanted the sharks more aggressive, yeah, because they were wearing chainmail in the water as protection. Yeah. Okay. And it, with the directive, they wanted the sharks to look more aggressive. Yeah. They chucked bloody pieces of tuna into the ocean to wake them up a bit. You mean pieces of tuna that had blood on them? You're not. You're, yeah. You're, you're not. You're not sort of getting carried away with yourself. No, no. no. Okay, okay, okay. Um. Right. What do you think is the second best shark movie? And the reason I'm saying second best is because clearly. Nothing is ever going to be better than Jaws. In fact, when he signed a contract to make more films for Universal, one of the clauses Spielberg had was that he could never, they could never touch Jaws. Jaws That's has right. to be left alone. They could never go and remake Jaws. They will never go back and take Bruce, the mechanical shark, out and replace him with a CGI shark. It is sacrosanct and must stand as is for, we believe, all time. Yes. But going back to you saying the second best shark movie. Yeah. The Shallows. It has to be oh, The Shallows. Oh, that is a good film. I do like that one. If it wasn't for Jaws... The Shallows would be the best shark movie. You're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. Because you've had Deep Blue Sea. Yes. And you've had The Meg. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna alienate a lot of people here, but we went to see The Meg last summer. Yeah. And we'd been looking forward to. It. I'd read the novel years ago. And there's something about that film. It's a B-movie in every possible way, including the dialogue. Yeah, definitely. With big blockbuster A-movie tentpole yeah. special effects. You know that it's getting a sequel. Well, there have been more than one book, so Five. why not? Yeah. But you know, having having somebody as you know, <laughs> Jason Statham himself was was very much a fish out of water. Yeah. And you know, you're dealing with a megalodon. I, hang on, Jason. Where did you find that word out? <laughs> he used to play the same character in every single movie. Oh, I detested that. Uh, now, was it Crank? Yes, it where was. he's got to sort of like charge himself up or something. Crank, right? he, he had to charge himself up. Yeah. There seems to be constant language in it. Yeah. The story didn't actually make any sense. It was, it was just stupid. You see, I liked him in Transporter, but then when they started going off the physical uh, cast and going more into CGI. 
when you've got him in a, in a, I don't know, BMW or something doing a complete 360 spin around, right? Right. Like a corkscrew. And he can lean out of his passenger window and, you know, put a magnetic time bomb or something on the car that he's passing. And you know that's not possible. It's just like, ah, oh, get that, out of here. That is borderline incredible compared to the way to Fast and Furious movies. We what you you're actually finally agreeing with me that Vin Diesel could not leap the span between two bridges and actually save his girlfriend. That was heroic. He would have broken every bone in her body. I'm sure I saw tears in that cinema. Of laughter, maybe. No, of hero- heroism. He- tears of heroism. You heard it here first, folks. Tears of heroism. Yes. How did the Mission Impossible movies... No, hang on. How did Fast and Furious get to become the new Mission Impossible movies? Because the last time we saw that lot, they were trying to outrun a nuclear submarine on ice. How did we get from street racing to outrunning the Russians on ice. All they wanted to do in the first one was steal a couple DVD players. Exactly. Actually, I've always thought Point Break, Fast and Furious, it's the same script. Is it? Yeah. An 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 undercover FBI agent or cop goes undercover with a gang who's doing various heists. The gang are a bunch of adrenaline junkies. And he gets involved with them. And basically, he's torn between his loyalties to his new crew and his his bosses. He suffered for that tuna sandwich, though, didn't he? Oh, he did. He did. God bless him. May he rest in peace. Anyway, that's a contention, okay? That Fast and Furious are the new Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible, that's the new Bond. Yeah. I just hope the next Bond is more entertaining than Daniel Craig, who to me kind of looks like a potato. To be honest with you, when you went to go and see Spectre, I was bored. I was completely bored to that entire movie. I have never met anybody who can explain to me what Quantum of Solace is all about. See, having rewatched uh, Moonraker. Yeah. And is it Octopussy? Yeah. The one with Maud Adams, set in India. Yeah. See, as bad as those movies are yeah I found those two way more entertaining than Spectre I just yeah I, I, I'd hope that by the time we got to Spectre that Skyfall would be the closer of that particular story arc and Spectre would be some kind of new beginning I didn't think oh no we're still back onto the same thing boo hoo I lost her in Casino boo hoo I thought Sean Connery would put his foot up your ass. But I think with Spectre in particular, it, it's the same story over and over again. I mean, how long it takes them to actually make one of those movies. And when you consider what they can do in Mission Impossible, a part of me, if they're going to carry on doing the same story, just end the franchise. That would be a sad end. A very sad end. And speaking of sad endings... I'm going to go a little bit controversial. Okay. For eight years, we have watched Arrow. Yes. And the season closer, you know, has just been on. For about, what, six years, we've been watching The Flash as well. Yeah, yeah, it has to be about six. Um, For about four years... We have not only been watching Arrow and Flash, but also Legends of Tomorrow. And for about three years, we've been watching Supergirl. 
Yeah. But no more. And it's not because the seasons end. I found them at the end really unwatchable. So basically, what I'd like to talk about um, is in our editorial piece. Okay. Which we'll call From the Bridge. All right then. The rise and fall of the DC shows. Now, I am more of a DC fan than I am a Marvel fan, comics-wise. Well, this has always been more a DC household than it has been a Marvel household. Absolutely right. Um, if anybody wants to ask me, why, why would you choose DC over Marvel? And there's only one answer ever. Batman. Batman. I've been a fan of Batman since I was six years old. And, you know, at 59, I am not going to stop now. No. Um, but I always loved those DC comics from the Silver Age of the 60s when I started reading them onwards. And, you know, comic books and their audiences have changed a great deal over over the past several decades certainly since I've been alive, because when I started reading them, they were strictly for kids. Yeah. Marvel was more edgy. DC was more white bread. And for years, I thought, what a time to be alive in. We, we, we get the Green Arrow, who's way cooler than he's ever been in the comics. And we've got the Flash. Yeah. And I didn't really get what they wanted to do with Legends of Tomorrow, because yeah. it was... Kind of a Doctor Who rip-off to begin with. Yeah, and what they did with the Hawks in it. Yeah. I, I thought that, considering it's supposed to be a superhero show, I thought the size of Hawkman's wings yeah. were awful. Hawkman was done so much better on, on Smallville. He had the proper costume, for one thing. And then we we had Supergirl. And I've I've been gradually getting more and more dissatisfied with these shows because it seems every superhero has to have a team the teams are getting larger and larger it's like team arrow team flash if you go back one stage yeah with smallville yeah a show i absolutely love absolutely yes with you all the way towards the end he had a big he had a large group a large team yeah but to get to that large team that took 10 seasons it did it did um but i always found arrow to be downbeat dark and rather dour but this last season it's been the best of them yeah the flash what have they done to The Flash? They started the season off with introducing a new character who was The Flash's daughter from the future. Oh, that's an interesting point. Yeah, okay. You know how it's apparently his daughter from the future? Yeah. Not in the comics. Well, she's she's gone now anyway. Yeah. Um, but the entire series had Barry the Flash and Iris one of Team Flash his wife always in some kind of contention with Nora the speedster yeah. daughter from the future and she started off as kind of a breath of fresh air to this series which was beginning to flag and it very quickly became month after month after month of the Iris and Nora Glower Hour. See, for me with The Flash, I loved season one. Yeah. I was with it still in season two with Zoom. Now, season one had him in uh, battle with Reverse Flash yes. and wanting to um, prevent the death of his mother yes. and his father, played by original Flash, John Wesley Shipp, framed for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Then in was it season three you had Salipa? 
Yeah. Yeah, because it was the guy in the flying wheelchair last time, wasn't it? Yeah. And one of the things that has always got me with The Flash is... The later these series goes on... Yeah. The more they cheapen the effects. Absolutely. Um, The CGI isn't what it was. And also, with The Flash... If you'll pardon the pun, it's it's really run its course. Yeah. I, I really wish they had done what they were toying with a couple of years ago and just killed off his wife. Apparently because I find the... that character is so irksome. Apparently that was the plan. Oh, they should have done it. They should have done it. If they'd have done that, the show would have had a new lease of life. Yeah. Um. Then Legends of Tomorrow, I, I thought, Oh. It's like Doctor Who, but now it's become just plain silly. Yeah. To the point of being tiresome. And Supergirl... It's a show where, pretty much like The Fly, the Flash, everybody starts to cry. Everybody's talking about their feelings. Everybody's all touchy-feely and sensitive. None of these shows has anything depicting the sheer exhilaration of being a superhero. Imagine, if you were able to to run at the speed of sound, wouldn't you just be running at the speed of sound just for the heck of it? Yeah, and wouldn't you expect him to kind of, in episodes, go and do kind of random things like... Say, run to Italy to yeah. get pizza and run back. Because yeah, yeah, like he did in the comics. He can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no fun in them. No fun whatsoever. And I was getting, as you know, really tired of this. And I felt it was eating up four evenings a week for something that I, I just wasn't enjoying. And what was keeping me going was the thought that they were doing Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. And this comes this this Christmas. And it'll see the end of the Arrow series. Oh, okay. The end of the single best one you've got. Right. But they're bringing a new series on. So from sometime in the autumn until Christmas, when you get the season hiatus, They'll expect us to sit down there and watch these shows for five nights a that, week. That's too much. It's too much of a commitment. And the the next series, as we know, is Batgirl. Woman. Batwoman, sorry. Woman. I do apologise. Batwoman. Now, I remember reading Batwoman back in the 60s. Um, she was one of the supporting characters and sometimes would go on uh, adventures with the original Batgirl okay. before Barbara Gordon came along and she was a character of her time you know it was all it was all like oh yes I've got a trick compact in my makeup and, oh, okay you know it was all that kind of you know uh, uh pre pre women's liberation nonsense um just like do you remember those early Justice League comics where yes. Wonder Woman had very little to do. She cleaned the, the um, she cave. Cleaned, she cleaned. <laughs> they actually had Wonder Woman clean their secret base. You know, after the boys. Yeah, because because that was woman. I mean, what a load of nonsense! What a crock! And the fact that you know it was Snapper Car is the one that actually told her to clean, and he's he was little, a teenager. He is one of the worst comic book characters ever. Give me Peter Pufferfish any day. Oh my god, with the uh, Aquaman little fish. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine, you know, somebody like Snapper Carr, who's supposed to be like about 16 years old, being you know, telling Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, you know, hey, this place needs a a good hoovering, get to it. You know, she would feed him his own intestines, and rightly so. Yes. Anyway, we, we've seen Batwoman in last year's crossover in one episode, and I thought, okay, interesting, interesting. I like the Arkham Asylum they had. Yes. Now they've released the trailer. Yeah, that 
Now, I started off this particular segment by, you know, declaring myself to be a fan of Batman. And I I get enormously protective of Batman. You know, don't diss the bat. No. As, As may have been all too apparent last week where we were talking about Robert Pattinson yes. taking over the, the, the Batman duties. I'm surprisingly okay with that now. So am I. Let's see what he can do. Yeah. And anyway, um, from a point of view of being a Batman fan, the Batwoman trailer actually irritated and offended me. Yeah. Not because it's... it's um, you know, Batwoman. No. Um, it's because I, I know it's a trailer, and the trailer was meant to sell people like me on watching this series. Yeah. But it's... They make out that Batman has left Gotham City. And the word run out. Okay, I don't mind that. That was strike one. Strike two. Um... She's she knows where you know the Batcave is and is shown the Batcave, and she got there very easily on the looks of it. Yeah, Batman's costume is there, and whoever's showing her this, um, we we don't know. Apparently, it's um, Lucius. Is it Fox. Lucius Fox? Because yeah. he seems very young. That that's something else, and not that. Anyway, says you know it's one of the most perfect creations ever, meaning you know we can deflect radar and all this and all that. And she says, it won't be perfect until it fits a woman. Yeah. And that got my back up. And it's it's not because I'm I'm anti-equal rights or anything like that. Anybody who knows me knows that, you know, is not the case. And one of our favourite shows of all times, Buffy the Vampire Squad. Exactly. Um, But I, I just thought, hang on a second. This series seems to be trying to hook viewers in and it's just trashing Batman and the legacy. Yeah, actually it is. And I thought that line would have been better. It would have said more about the character. If you want to portray her as being confident, cocky and ready to for action, she will kick the hell out of anybody who crosses her. She should have said it won't be perfect until it fits me. That would have worked better. See, I would have been happy with that because from what I've seen, how she is in the comics now, yeah, that would have fit how she is. Mm-hmm. But what the direction they've taken is no. In trying to be inclusive, they've made it exclusive. And the the third and last point where I thought, no, I'm not going to watch this, was. Um, Right, she's in the Batman costume, and she's, as as we know, you know, Batman has his costume. He he operates best as kind of an urban myth. People aren't sure whether he actually exists or not within the storylines, and he uses his cape for you know hiding in the shadows and all this, and is rarely seen, you know, face on kind of thing, and this is apparently how she operates in the trailer, and people think. Batman is back. And she says, um, I think the line is, I won't let a man take credit for a woman's work. And I thought, well, hang on a second. Whoa, just just, just, yeah. just hit pause there for a second. Because you're using his costume, his tech, his base, his life's work. So, you know... she. What's annoying me is she hasn't done anything. No. No. See in the Captain Marvel movie. Yeah. Loved it and can't wait for it to come out next month. It comes out on DVD and Blue next month. Actually actually for anybody who thinks that I'm some kind of male chauvinist nut, um, if you look on the website, I reviewed Captain Marvel and on the home page where I link to it, I believe the phrase I used is Sometimes the best man for a job is the a, wom- a woman. Yeah, and see, I'm happy with that movie. I love that movie, but everything they're doing in Batwoman 
it's delivering the wrong message. All their shows are delivering the wrong message. Yeah. One of the things that I'm really unhappy with is so to watch the end of Arrow. Yeah. You have to watch all the other ones, which are painful to watch because they keep crossing over and cross-referencing one another. But, one another, sorry. But the crossovers, they don't actually interplay with one another at all. So no. no. There's, There's an no Arrow one where he he deals with the menace. There's a Flash one where Nora will pout at the menace. Yeah. Uh, there's a Legends one which will play more like Monty Python, and there's a Supergirl one where she keeps checking to make sure that her sister's okay. Yeah, with a good cry. With a good cry. And on that note, I think we'd better call it a day steve okay oh and one last time are you ready wake, wake up, up brian. brian we shall be talking at you next week until then keep watching the skies and good night from me robin pierce and see you next time from me steve pierce bye